Steve, great to be with you. Looking forward to Saturday. Looks like another perfect day for sideline reporting. Yes, it look, the weather looks great. Uh, so you're down on the field, and just so everybody understands, like a lot of SEC places, and it's not just Georgia has the hedges. Alabama does. Auburn does. It creates enough of a separator. Brian, you were down there. How important was that separator to keep the, the players away from, you know, the crowd noise and Auburn fans? What do you think that meant? Yeah, I think it was actually pretty crucial because I thought that venue was as loud as any that, that we've been to or that I've been to, uh, especially at the start of the game and after Auburn went down and, and took the 3 nothing lead and their defense came back on the field. I mean, that place was loud, but it didn't have, and this is just my humble opinion, it did not have the intimidation factor that a Beaver Stadium or Kinnick or Michigan State would have because the stands were so far away from the field. Not only was the bench area extremely wide, then you had that one row of hedges as you were talking about, another little brass pathway behind that row of hedges, then more hedges behind that. So the stand sloped all the way down to essentially field level where you could just walk two steps out and you were at ground level. But they were way, way back away from the field. You know, there was room in a lot of old stadiums. I'm not sure this was the case there, but in a lot of old stadiums, you had like the old track that you'd loop around the inside, like Beaver Stadium used to, I believe, way back in the day. Um, there was room for that and then some there. So that that was kind of the sense. I do think it at least gave you, even though it was loud, the ability to breathe and communicate on the sideline, uh, especially in the beginning of that football game. Yeah, in fact, I think I made the reference of it's not quite the foul territory of the Oakland Coliseum, but it's yeah. a lot of room between <laughs> the sideline and the stands. Uh, so you're down there watching this play out and getting their reactions as to how it's playing out. What did you see on that bench as they watched how this played out? Yeah, I thought they were very businesslike, very much in tune with uh, the offense supporting the defense, defense supporting the offense. And I thought the senior leadership was huge. I know we talked about it on the broadcast, but when Penn State's defense was able to come up with a stop in the red zone the first time, P.J. Musk for making that play on first down. Then Sean Clifford was out there saluting him. And when the offense went on the field, it was P.J. Musk for talking to the offense before they went on the field. So I thought the senior leadership was really – we talk so much about the youth that's been injected into the football game and what it's meant not only for the depth, but obviously the playmaking from Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen, the list goes on, Abdul Carter. Um, but to see the value of the seniors in big spots, the leaders, the upperclassmen on the team, I think that was something that you probably couldn't pick up if you're just watching the TV broadcast, how invaluable that really was to the team. So that, from a reaction standpoint, that was the number one thing that stood out. The number two thing that stood out to me from being on the field, and you hear this all the time where you're going to have a Big Ten team take on an SEC team, was the physicality of the game. Obviously, it was evident to anyone watching with some of the big hits early, particularly the one Sean Clifford took, got right back up, uh, and I think even did a quarterback sneak on the right play, on the next play, even though it was not successful. But I thought you could feel that there was a speed of physicality uh, to that game. And as that game went on, there was one team that was dominating that category, and that was Penn State, particularly in the trenches. And to me, that was my top takeaway, their ability to go in there, play a physical game, 
and to dominate it in the trenches with that physicality. I think in, in a lot of ways they answered, again, it's only week three, but you started to get some answers to perhaps what the ceiling for that offensive line could be, just the way they played, not only the success they had, but the way they went about their business with that tenacity and almost a little bit of a nastiness to it, which is good. The sequence you referenced is where Penn State went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. The defense only gave up a field goal after that. What yeah. sense did you get on the sideline as to how important that moment was? Yeah, I think there were a couple plays where in that first half, look, Penn State missed for as well as they played. Yeah. They missed a couple of opportunities in the first half where they had turnovers and didn't capitalize and get touchdowns off turnovers where they could open things up, particularly that sequence at the end of the opening half. But I thought there were plays in that half, particularly in that environment. And I think the sequence that we're referencing here probably of top priority and importance where in that environment, things could start to tilt, start to snowball. Do I think they would have because of the, the leadership that Penn State has and their ability to respond to any type of adversity? I don't think they would have. But those plays in that environment, it kept the crowd from really getting revved up to another level. And then their response was so, so important to that. So I, I think that's a great observation. But I think that was key just because the environment factor is well and you're not playing catch-up the whole game, then what we talked about, obviously, is when you're not playing catch-up, yeah. especially if you're playing ahead, they lose that element of running the football, and, and they got uncomfortable with what they wanted to do offensively. As you watch the two running backs from field level, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen, what ran through your mind? Um, wow, he's fast for Nicholas Singleton. That's yeah. the first thing that runs through mm-hmm. your mind when he goes blowing by you every single time. His burst is incredible. When he hits the hole, it's, he's got another gear. Um, and to see Katron Allen, particularly on his touchdown run, you know, he, he almost goes into a back and then all of a sudden, oh, here he comes. He found the hole. His vision, you can obviously see it watching on TV, but to see it from field level, just how little space or, or how quick things happen and his ability to diagnose that and make the jump cut, make a guy miss and find – where he's supposed to go with the football. Um, That was really, really impressive. But I think it's not cliche to say it. It's not just overstating the obvious. Uh, Both of them have an incredible skill set. Singleton can absolutely fly. He hits the hole. It's just not a knock on anybody else. It is just a different year, and he is a special, special player. Manny Diaz. James Franklin and Manny Diaz in conjunction have been emphasizing take away, take away, take away. They got four. What did you see from that defense as to how they attacked? Yeah, I think it's a thing that we've seen, Steve, since training camp opened up, is that they're going to try to get their hands on every ball possible. They're going to play through the whistle, and they're going to play physical with the idea that they're going to ball hunt and find how they can make a big play or two, or three, or four in this case, to swing a football game. I think it's just their mentality out there. I think the mentality starts on the sideline with their defensive coordinator, Manny Diaz. He is fiery. He is tenacious. Uh, When something big happens, he is the first one to run up and do a chest bump with another guy and fly in the air. I think it all starts uh, right there with what both he and, as you said, James Franklin, what they have preached as a defensive staff and a defensive identity. Um, but this is a defense that 
has that mentality that we're going to play from the second that ball is snapped until the whistle blows to end that play. And the mindset is how can you get after the quarterback? How can you create big plays? And what can you do to get your hands on that football? And that's evident, and it starts right with their defensive coordinator on the sideline with his personality. They really do mirror his personality. Um, and that is particularly impressive. And anyone who's been around him knows that it's a, it's a very fun personality to be around as well. Everyone will talk about Southern speed, SEC speed. Uh, it, it was obvious who the, the team with the speed was. It was Penn State on both sides of the ball. What was it like yep. to watch that play out? Oh, well, for anyone wearing blue and white, it was exciting. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think I don't want to go too far just based on one game, but you really felt like after seeing Penn State play Purdue, play Ohio, um, what we've been able to see from the team when we've had opportunities to watch them, Steve, is that we had a suspicion of what their potential could be and how much talent there was. And look, I know Auburn isn't the preseason favorite in the right. SEC by any stretch. But That's right. You know what kind of talent those rosters have to see Penn State's potential come to fruition and see a glimpse of what they can be and how they stack up against a roster like Auburn with that quote-unquote SEC and Southern speed on it. I think it really, really was – I'm not sure if the right word – you know – gratifying not the right word um but it was it was encouraging to see and it's probably more than that but there it was i, nice I think i think it, to see that it, the, it, word, the it, word i'm looking for it, is escaping it, me it, it, ver- yeah. it verified what we thought yeah in terms of the speed the that mm-hmm. is the word yep, yep verified <clears throat> completely agree yep uh hockey's about to get going brian uh, i know you're excited about that uh, so give us just a quick primer on you know what kind of depth Guy has with this team to negotiate a long season. Well, I think that's the biggest thing, the depth that they have this year. Forwards defensively, they are going to have guys that, number one, are going to push each other every single day on the ice to earn those spots. It also gives them the flexibility to do some different things with their lineup. And in this conference, you need four lines, you need three pairings when you're at your best. And the team that won the Big Ten regular season, you know, they're playing with a fourth line that had Connor McMenamin and Connor McEachern on it. And you had Nikita Pavlichev as a checking line. Like that team was so, so deep. I think there's a lot of elements to this year's team. Now, going, I'm not trying to compare them to that team, but when you look at what depth is needed to succeed in this conference and to succeed on, a national level, I really believe that is there where all the scoring isn't necessarily going to come from one line and you have guys with different skill sets who can complement each other up and down the lineup. So I think that's really encouraging to see. And they have it in spades with experience uh, to return Connor McEachern and Connor McMenamin, Kevin Wall, the list goes on and on. Tyler Gratton and Tyler Forget were double-digit goal scorers last year. Then to add an influx of young talent, both at forward and on the back end, plus two guys who have been around, Ashton Calder and Tora Linden, who are bona fide scorers. All of a sudden, a roster that had talent last year and really improved as the year goes on, you get those reinforcements and the experience back. Uh, I know they were picked that came out today. They were picked 
six in the Big Ten preseason poll. I was shocked to see that, but it's a preseason poll. That's all it is. I think they have a chance to have a really, really good season this year and a year where you don't want to go in placing unlofty expectations on it, but they could they could really achieve something special. I think that's the feeling around the program right now. You know how I feel about the preseason stuff. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I feel the same like, way. Like, oh, wh- like whoop-de-doo. <laughs> like, I mean, I know you're trying to do a story. I got it. It's a way of getting publicity out there. I got it. But it means zero. Uh, how do yeah. you feel about goal going into this? I feel like if Liam Soulier can play the way he did down the stretch last year. And he played well. And then take that. That's an off season to continue to improve. Another year of experience. Go into it knowing that there's a good chance you're the guy to start the year. Take it and run with it. Be confident. If he can be that goaltender that he was at the end of last year and continue to improve his game, I feel good about that goaltending situation. And to be honest, I really like the rest of their team, the other 18 guys that are going to be on the ice during yeah. games so much that sometimes the best defense can be a great offense, and I really feel like the pieces are there for them to have the type of offense that Guy and his staff are accustomed to having and expect to have on a year-in, year-out basis. Yeah, it's uh, they play such an exciting brand of hockey. I mean, that's that's what's so great about it. But hockey is so odd in that they, they do a lot of work away from the coaches. They get like a week of preseason. How guy play? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. now look, they're used to doing it. I understand it, but mm-hmm. it sure is a different way of doing it. Yeah, and it's a long season. You're starting. Yeah. I don't think people realize the women's hockey team starts tomorrow. <laughs> That's their regular yep. season opener is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Wisconsin. And they'll play to the second to last week of March, which yep. you know, it, is a, it is a long year. There's no doubt about that. Always a pleasure, my friend. Great work as always. Thank you. Thank you for being a good teammate and helping me find that word verified as well. <laughs> or valid. I don't even validate it. Whatever word we came up with. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you.